Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bench. I'm your host, Brandon Stemwoodall. Last time out, we discussed in the first of three dimensions of coaching, the physical aspect of coaching, emphasizing on the strategies of sports. Today, we are going to focus on the second dimension, which is the mentality of the athlete. I am happy to have Eric and Cal on to analyze this dimension in great depth. Eric and Cal, welcome back. Thanks, Brandon. Good to be with you. Okay, so last time out, we did talk about that that aspect of, of the physical side, the X's and O's, and how a lot of coaches have that aspect of it, especially your high school coaches, your college coaches, even your professional coaches. But you guys, you guys dove into it a little bit in the last episode where we, where we were talking more about the mind. Talk a little bit more about what the second dimension really is and how, how a lot of people have missed this a lot of times. So the move from the physical to the mind moves away from concrete, <clears throat> physical things you can touch. Okay, so we're moving away from that. And when we talk about mind, we're also incorporating the whole idea of emotion. So it's not just cognitive thought, but it includes emotion. And those two are really, really connected. And so how it plays out in sport is you got all this, this whole discipline of sports psychology. And there's lots of books on it. There are mental skills that you can develop to improve performance individually and corporately. So that's the whole idea of, of the coaching the mind. I would use the same argument in terms of the demand on the athlete on the physical side. There's also the sport places a demand on the mental side, on the, on the emotion and the mind. I think the higher level of competition, the more the coaches have to deal with the mind. You just the progression moves up because everybody has the physical stuff. Mm. You know, there's lots of guys that get drafted in pro sport and they don't make it. And it has to do with the second and third dimension because the margins get smaller and smaller. So you're trying to squeeze more out of the sponge. So you have to get into the head and into the heart. Mm. So that's, that's kind of the, the principle. It's really hard to help an unmotivated athlete improve in their skill. If an mm -hmm. athlete doesn't have confidence, they're not going to be a risk taker. Without taking risks, you don't grow. If they can't handle the emotion of failure, they're shut down. It's hard to compete in sport because most sports have lots of failure. Mm. Um, if they can't work with others, it's going to be difficult even in an individual sport because you have to work with others to grow as an individual sport athlete. So team cohesion is a real factor. If you don't understand the process of setting goals and growth and uh, personal accountability and stuff like that, very difficult to get better. So that's the that's just an overview of pushing into the second dimension. Those things. Say the second dimension is is a lot of the the issues that coaches are really struggling with right now, and they don't know how to fix. So this is where 3D really comes in and gets the coach to really think through some of these things. And then we talked about the journey. And then the biggest issue here is this. These are issues that, that have been around for a long time. They're new in a sense. Um, I think they're magnified because of this generation's athlete, this current athlete, this 21st century athlete. So these things manifest themselves maybe brighter than they used to 
I think a lot of coaches don't. That's why sports psych is a huge piece is because a lot of coaches don't know how to do this. So they delegate it. Yeah. Mm. And um, some coaches can do that. But I think if you're going to be a a 3d coach, you have to understand this. It can't just be delegated to a person who comes into work with your team once a week or three times a week. It can be done. And a lot Mm -hmm. of programs do that. A lot of programs in our state do that and they've had some success. And that's why, that's why 3d coaching is a great tool is because we will come and help you process some of this stuff as a coach. But these are really the issues that, that coaches are, are dealing with that just don't know what to do. And it's because the role of the coach has changed well, drastically. Years where it, and we see why does the coach have so much influence now as opposed to you know, 20, 30 years ago where they still had influence but not as much as they do now. It's because there's a lot of structure in, in kids' lives that aren't there. And so the coach now fills the role of a mentor parent. Um, some of the things that, that I had growing up, a, a mom and a dad, a stable family, that's not afforded to a lot of kids, majority of kids. So the coach fills that role and when some coaches don't want to do it and that's the hmm. struggle. And so it's a, it, the second dimension is a, it, there's a lot to it. And we spend a lot of time with coaches working through this practically what does it look like and we'll talk about some of that stuff as we move on but these are the issues cal touched on them you know emotional control team cohesion confidence goal setting these are all second dimension issues that coaches are struggling with right now like when we present 3d coaching as a to a a program and we say how do you like for your coaches your players to be confident your team to have cohesion they play together there's confidence when they step on the field, a, a type of swagger when they step on the field and that you have clear emotional, goal setting, control. emotional control. So every coach wants that. Every mm. coach wants that. So okay. I think that's, that's the biggest piece of this is these are, these are the, some of the topics that we discuss in, in the second dimension specifically are the biggest issues coaches are having right now. Absolutely. You know, this is, I was, as you guys were both talking, I was thinking about like when I was a player, a lot of times they say that there has to be some type of like mental toughness, right? Coaches tell you like, you have to develop some mental toughness, but I was like reflecting and I don't remember a coach giving me the tools of teaching mental toughness. Like, I don't, like, I actually, this is horrible to say as a coach, but I don't think I could really teach that because the way that I process mental toughness is different than than what maybe you or, or Cal would be able to develop mental toughness. So what is like a way to, to help with the mentality of an athlete? And I think Eric, you talked about this too, with culture, how does the culture generate the, the, the mental or mindset of the team and the individual? So how are you setting those goals for the individual and then setting those goals for the team and combining it all together? Yeah, that's a great, you have to, you have to take it head on and you have to understand that there are things that you can do as a coach to, to tackle these problems. And so you don't have to run away from them. You don't have to bury your head in the sand that you just have to be ready that these are reality in coaching. Um, One of the things that triggered in my mind, as you were talking about mental toughness is one of the first books I read as a coach was inside Out coaching by Joe Ehrman which is, I think is a must read for every coach, no matter what sport you coach. 
a lot of, of the book is, is the same, same language we, we have in 3D. In fact, Joe's worked with you know, a lot of the people who designed 3D in the past comes back to identity. And when you talked about mental toughness, it would be like, be a man, right? Just mm-hmm. man up. And that, that, that's how you, that's how coaches addressed the second dimension is, right. is pull up, pull up your bootstraps and, and, and grit and grind through it. And that's, that develops a, a toughness. Now there's, there's some truth to that still, but that was how coaches addressed it. And so part of it is, is understanding that, that the second dimension is just as important. Like Cal said, it's, just as important, if not more important to coaching than X's and O's and that the game demands emotional control. The game demands team cohesion. The game demands confidence. So those are, those are just as important as hitting the weight room and, and memorizing plays is, mm-hmm. is understanding, you know, or coming up with a great strength and conditioning program, having, the tools to address these second dimension issues. And so that, again, that's where 3D coaching comes in. That's where a lot of sports psych coaches come in. That's why this is a huge reality in sport right now is because these are, these are issues that are prevalent. Mm. So I would say one solution to be that a, a coach could commit to having a mental, mental skills training program for their team. You know, I'll try to figure out what does that look like? Uh, what are the priority mental skills that you need to develop? Mm. I mean, you spend 20 bucks on a book and you start practicing. You know, so first thing is the coach has to develop some new skills, maybe. Mm. You know, they have to grow a new area of expertise. Sometimes in a, a multi-person staff, maybe somebody is really good at it and gravitates to it. So maybe they provide the leadership on your team in that arena or in that area. I think when, when you talk about culture, I think one of the things you can do is, is to create an environment that we are a learning. It's a learning culture, you know? And so <clears throat> this would push into the con- a concept called the growth mindset. That is one of the main keys, I think, to helping all these things uh, become more accessible to in the athlete. Cause if, if the athlete doesn't want to learn, it's tough. So Cal, dive into that, that mental, the growth mindset. Okay. What, what does that look like and give an, give an example of what that would look like? Well, it's a research and I forget the gal's name. What is it? Zweck. She's a Stanford professor of psychology and they've done research and it applies to intelligence or performance kinds of things. And one basic idea is that, um, and you can hear people say, well, you can't teach that. You either have it or you don't. Okay. So one idea is, is applied to intelligence is like, well, I have intelligence. I'm supposed to show it. If I have to work too hard, that means I'm not so smart. So you have this idea of, uh, I have this thing and it's fit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Growth mindset would contrast with that, that it's open. I can grow, I can develop. So <clears throat> the fixed mindset would say, well, I'm not going to work so hard because that'll betray that. I don't know everything. Whereas if you're trying to grow, you're going to work hard. So hard work is the key. 
they deal with failure in different ways that the, the person who has a fixed mindset would say, it's not my fault. <laughs> Whereas the other person, the growth mindset would, would embrace that and say mistakes are the key to learning. So that's just a, a, a start into it. You know, we use a website called trainugly.com. Trevor Reagan has done a lot of stuff. He has video essays of growth mindset and he talks about the research, even in how you praise athletes, the kinds of feedback you give them can encourage a growth mindset or encourage a fixed mindset. So how we give feedback and say, you know, you're really, you're really strong or you're really great. You're a good player, mm. you know? And so they're going to want to be a good player. They're going to show all those things, but they might not enter into the process to help them grow. Mm. And so in doing research, they say that the overall performance result can be as much as 50% mm. by how you praise. And that's a, that's a video essay they have on the trainugly.com, peer feedback. I mean, it's just, it's just a little snippet. You could take an hour on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, I was also thinking about this, too. Like, even with the, the generation that we have now, of if you tell someone that they're good at something, they sometimes I feel like they, they almost stop. Like they think, Oh, yeah. I'm good enough. Like, yeah. and they don't want to continue to excel and grow. Have you guys noticed that as well? Or is there, is there been more of, I guess. I think you're right. I think that's right. And I think the, the stuff that in the growth mindset is if you have to give feedback on the process. I saw that you identified the problem and you tried this. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Even so though they failed, it doesn't matter if yeah, they fail. They tried something new. So it comes down to more of the words. It comes down to more of, you know, Cal, I think it was a, even a training that you give, you gave to, to us coaches where instead of saying, don't do this, hey, I noticed you tried this, tried, now try and do it this yeah. way. Yeah, get rid of the word but. People, you, but that was really great, but. <laughs> yeah. That was really great. Now try this. Mm. So get rid of the butt and put in now. So, so now focusing back on like volunteer coaches in particular. So you both said in the last podcast that a lot of the, a lot of the second and third dimension comes like they're really good at the third, at the second and third dimension for volunteer coaches in particular, or youth coaches in particular. So how, how can us coaches that are really good at the first dimension, why do we keep missing the second dimension? Why? Cal touched on it a little bit. The, the higher you get up, you know, you get out of youth league, you get into junior high, you get into C team, B team, JV, varsity, college, the, it gets more competitive. And, and when the culture becomes more competitive, coaches become more transactional. And so there's a pureness to use sports or there should be that it's it this is and this is you know again coming back to something we touched on the last podcast is how are you structuring your youth league the last year i ran my rec league we didn't we're not not a travel basketball team okay so there's a different level of competition we're a rec basketball so there was a definition that separated and it was it came down to how competitive our league was going to be and where we were going to focus and we focused on joy in Mm -hmm. teaching fundamentals so these kids who 
might not want to play on the travel team. They don't have the money to play on a travel team. A lot of kids just don't like that competition. They just want to play with their friends. They want to have fun. So we basically didn't have like a, a championship game. We would stop counting the score if a team got up by 20 points and mm-hmm. things like that. So I think that's the issue is, is things become more competitive. Coaches become more transactional. So that means they'll do anything to win. And that, that touches into a lot of the hurt that we see in the second dimension is because they don't care about the player. They just care about results. And when you don't care about the player, then you don't address second and third dimension issues. Beyond the Bench is sponsored by Bipro, the ideal lifestyle choice for athletes and health enthusiasts by providing clean protein without artificial ingredients or sugars. Whether you're looking for a pre- or post-workout supplement or a quick drink on the go, visit modisports.com to receive 25% off your next Bipro item. So you mentioned the fact that we're so focused on the, the, the win, okay? But what what does winning mean to you? I'll start with you, Eric, and then I'll go to you, Cal. What does winning mean to you? Yeah, that's a good question. This is one of the, the questions that Joe Ehrman asked and that, that I use when, even when I interviewed my coaches, my assistant coaches is, you know, what does success look like? Mm-hmm. And if it's just results-based, then we're going to be in trouble. And, mm-hmm. and we didn't win a game last year as a football team. We only won one game this year. So if I'm just basing my success on results and winning, then – I'm going to be miserable. So mm-hmm. it will touch the, more on this, but to me, winning looks like, am I producing the student athletes that my transformational purpose statement talks about? So if I want to be a coach who is producing kids who have empathy and joy and are servant leaders, then that's the win is that that's the type of student athlete that we're producing. Sometimes you don't see that for another 15 years. And so it's really a redefinition redefining what winning looks like. And that's, a, that's, a, that's countercultural. And that's mm. why it's such a, a, a big part of sport is because this is not how a lot of coaches think. And especially, again, when it's about championships and it's about winning and that's what success is, is tied to, then you will do anything it takes to win. And that's at the, the, the transaction of, of the player who's no longer a person first, they're a player. And if you – can't perform for me, then you're, you're useless to me. And that's what a lot mm-hmm. of, that's what we talk about hurt. You know, we, there's a lot of coaches who have hurt kids and, and that runs deep. And those are, those are wounds that are sometimes never healed that you never forget mm-hmm. are those, those words that were used that, that you're useless. You're no good. You can't, you can't throw, you can't hit. Well, you can't like a girl. So I think that's a, so redefining what winning looks like to me, it, it's tied into core values. And are we producing a student athlete that is going to have success in life? So they're, they're displaying marks of our core values. So it's a, it's how do you define success? And, and if it's just results, then you're more than likely you're a transactional coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're measuring winning as a, is the primary way of understanding how good you are. You're looking at a result. Okay. Well, I can control your results by who I put in your schedule. Right. I mean, I can create a schedule for you in your, on your soccer team outside of your conference. You'll win every game. No problem. Or you'll lose every game depending on who you schedule. So that's a artificial 
evaluation. And I think skilled coaches understand that results are depend come from the process. And the process is going to be driven by character. So with that moves you into a third dimension. And we call it, it's, this is from uh, What Drives Winning, uh, Ledbetter stuff, CPR, character drives process, which determines results. You don't focus on the results. This is a big part of second dimension is this ties, this is specific to goal setting. Yeah. As coaches, right. What do we do? Yeah. First thing, first thing we do with our team, right. We put up a bunch of stuff on the whiteboard of you ask your your team, what do we want to do this year? What are some goals we want to set? Go to state. I'm going to go to state. A lot of the goals that we set are result based goals and and Ledbetter does a good thing. And 3D does a, a great job of putting the spotlight on that and saying, well, a lot of the time the results are, are not are out of our control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. last year, right. We're, we're peaking as a football team and we're, we're looks like we're going to get over the hump and my quarterback breaks his collarbone. And he's out for the rest of the year. And now I'm starting mm-hmm. to quarterback that out of my control. I can't control that. You can't control that injury, right? Those are things that are out of your control. COVID <laughs> this year, all right? This has been the biggest struggle with all these coaches is the, la- the lack of control that they feel. And so if our goals are completely result-based, we're, we're going to be really disappointed. But a lot of that is, is out of our control. So I want to be a 30-point scorer. I want to score 15 goals. Name it, the result. And Usually, you know, it's, it's tied into something that's out of your control. If you blow out your knee, a lot of the goals that you've set aren't going to happen. And a lot of your goals might be for personal goals is I want to play D1 college hockey. Well, blow out your knee, have a significant injury. There's lots of things that can happen, obviously. But I think that's a huge piece right there. So from an athlete standpoint, like you just were talking about like some goals and like setting those goals. So how, how do you teach an athlete that doesn't obtain a goal due to an injury or due to something like that. And how do you help them shape it differently? So yeah, you may not be. So I had a, I had a girl this year as an example, I had a girl this year. She, um, she, tur- uh, she turned her ankle in tryouts and was out for like, I would say almost half the season. And by that point, you know, you're already working on getting back fit and having to like really accelerate things going forward. So you're, you're likely to get another injury especially with Minnesota soccer, like you don't have a very long season and you're cramming everything into a short period of time. And so she had goals of, she was going to be the leading goal scorer. She was going to start every game. She had all of those goals uh, that were very obtainable. Um, But due to this injury, she was, she was sitting out. So I, so we, we sat down together and, and we said, okay, now you have to revise these goals. How often do you see a coach sit down with a player and revise the goals that they had at the very beginning of the season? And is that a part that's missing in, in I'll just say high school sports, but also in youth sports? So Cal, I'll start with you and then Eric, I'll let you tag along with that one too. Uh, well, you're assuming first that the coach was involved in the goal setting process at the first, in the first case. Ah. And that's, that's usually not the case. Most of the goals that are set are by a coach or team goals. And so I would say when you start talking about goals, you have to understand different kinds of goals. There's outcome goals, which is what most of what we've talked about. There's process goals, 
or performance goals. So what's the standard of performance to become a, a, a college athlete in your sport? Do you even know? You know, I mean, I think I do. Well, yeah, but, at the but, same, yeah. but does the player know or the parent mm. know? They probably mm. don't. So I've talked to kids, you know, play college football. They want to play. They want a shot at the NFL. So I go in, I look at the NFL combine. I take their top 10 scores and all the tests they give, average them out and say, this is what an NFL player at that position looks like. Mm -hmm. Where are you? And they go, oh, I, I can't do any of that. Okay. You're not an NFL prospect. Right. That's reality. So reality. what's the standard of performance? So performance goals. And then the other one is process goals. So an injured player isn't going to be getting results or outcomes and they aren't going to be getting performance. They got to work on their process. So we can, an injured player, like an Olympic diver who's got an injured leg and can't dive. What do they do? They learn how to visualize. Mm. And there was a, I forget her name, but she won a gold medal. And she said, it's because of the visual visualization. You remember that? Was it, was, was it the I gymnast? Think it was in China. No, it's a diver. I think it was a in diver. 08. But, but she won and was flawless. And she said, well, all of her reps were visual. Mm. But she couldn't, couldn't do the physical training. So understanding the type of goal will help you in your goal setting. And, and I'd say most athletes don't do the process. They're focused, they focus on the, on the outcome, mm -hmm. maybe performance. You know, they want to score a certain number of points or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they don't understand the process of how do you get there? What is the standard of performance at the next level? And then how do I develop myself into the kind of player that can perform at that level? It's a, it, it takes brutal honesty to reckon with those things. So that's just one element of the second dimension in goal setting. It's like understanding this process and it will expose the other weaknesses along the way you start tackling them as they show up, but they're all there. They're and they're often connected. And, and so that's, that's having the idea. And Eric's mentioned it several times is it's basically a holistic growth mindset. And as a coach, you have to understand that you're helping people develop and winning is a byproduct and it comes and goes. So essentially you're laying down the bricks yeah. And setting the foundation yep. to be able to do it. My boss gave, gives a great analogy every single time. And, and he talks about this. He's like, if I gave you a bunch of tools and I gave you all the materials and all of that, and I said, go build a house and you've never built a house. What do you think that the house is going to look like? Are you going to be able to like, if, and if I don't teach you how to use a screwdriver, if I don't teach you how to use a power tool, if I don't teach you any of those pieces, you're, you're going to hurt yourself. And it's the same thing. In, in sport is if I, if I teach you the mechanics of, of passing a ball or throwing a football or anything like that, if I teach you those mechanics, you're going to be able to build on that and keep yeah. growing and building. But that's, you know, again, we're talking about now, is that an example of the process goal setting or is that, am well, I understanding that correctly? Um, what does it take to learn a new skill? in soccer a new, a, a new trick a lot of practice tricks. okay how many times will you fail hundreds thousands okay what's motivating you to keep coming back to that 
I so don't if, like if, to be beat by something. Yeah, but, if you, <laughs> but so you got to have them. You got to have ample motivation mm-hmm. because the process is gonna. You know, it takes time. Yeah. You know, and and so I was gonna jump. I was gonna. I thought the same thing is when when you talk about you know the main, the, the core kind of. But it's an internal thing, right? Yeah. Well, I, it, the 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 issues that you have in the second dimension are are all are linked together. Usually, yeah. it's not. You just don't have one. They all come together, and so yeah. goal setting is tied to motivation. Because if you are really, if you have these outcome based results that you want to see, the process is the way to get to those results. Yeah. yeah. So you can have every everybody wants to win the state tournament. Everybody wants to win a section title. Those are givens. Like, do we have to put that on the whiteboard? Everybody wants to do that. Do we really trust the process that it takes to get there? And, and the, the, the answer for most kids is no. Mm-hmm. And mainly because, again, it comes back to this the word that we used in the first podcast. I think it was the first one. Entitlement. They're entitled. Mm-hmm. They think just because they show up to practice every day that they're entitled to playing time that they're entitled to a starting position. So they don't put the work in. They're not motivated to put the work in. And a lot of the reason is because they're entitled. And it comes back to Cal's talk about evaluation is you talk to most parents and most parents have these like rose colored sunglasses on that see their kid as the best player on the team. And why is my kid sitting on the bench? Why isn't my kid playing? Well, that's why I think, I think evaluation is a really great tool. Like you should evaluate your kids at the beginning of the season, be honest with them. I think that's the best thing you can do, could be as a coach is don't, don't sugarcoat it, be honest. And then again, your job as a coach, the definition of a coach is to take someone of importance from where they are to where they want to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Textbook definition of an actual coach, a carriage, right. Somebody who takes a person of significance and importance takes them from one spot to where they want to go. So sure. I think that's, that, that's what you have to understand is that that's part of the, of being honest with your kids when you evaluate them. But yeah, motivation is, is tied into that. And a lot of kids aren't in, in what we call intrinsically motivated, motivated from the inside. They're extrinsically motivated awards, scholarships. It's the carrot that we dangle out as coaches, these kids. Well, if you just, you know, if you come to practice every day and you work really hard, you know, you can get that scholarship. So we kind of, you know, we default to extrinsic motivation as well, which is not good for kids. For sure. Yeah. I have noticed that as well. Like, so we've kind of talked about this a a couple of different times and I've never really asked the question, but in the goal setting process, how do you bring mom and dad involved in the process for all of this? Like, where does that come into play? To me, it's the, it's the first meeting of the season. Right. So you, you should have a parents meeting, you know, in our school, the, the athletic director has a fall sports meeting that mm-hmm. all the parents are encouraged to attend. Now, do you get every parent to come? No. For me, I remember we didn't, we weren't able to do it this year because of COVID. Right. And that, was, that hurt to, to, to be honest, not to have a parent meeting or to have a virtual parent meeting or try to email mm-hmm. parents was, or use social media was nearly mm-hmm. impossible, but it has to be that first meeting and this is going to come out in your, just come back to it every single time. Core values. Mm. Your parents, and this is where I say, if you are really good. And one of the first things I did when I was hired is I brought Cal in and we went through 3d with our coaches. Mm-hmm. And I came up with my core values and my coaches knew and had to buy in with that. 
So they were the first ones. Then at that parent meeting, I put the core values up there and I defined them. And my, my hope is that that will be proactive in a lot of the things that you deal with in the second dimension with the parents. So parents have a clear vision of your program, of where you want to bring them, what you value. Cal does a great job of working with, with the coaches to come up with your core values and the outcome of what you want to see these core values. So, you know, when, when we came up with, well, what does perseverance look like? What's the outcome of that? What do we want our, what do we want our seniors who graduate? What does perseverance look like? Something that I told explicit to the parents. So I think that's a huge piece when you talk about goal setting and getting parents on board is that if, if you don't involve them early, you're going to be dealing with a lot of the things that coaches deal with. And that's mom or dad at the dinner table, undermining the coach, Mm -hmm. mom or dad in the stands yelling at the coach to put their kid in. So I think those things can help. For sure. Yeah. I think coach transparency helps to deal with parents. Mm -hmm. Um, I think um, helping parents understand what you're really trying to do and then to ask the parents and this could happen i mean it takes a lot of time to do that you could help the parents ask the question why do you want your child to play what's you what are you trying to get out of this and, and or why do you parent the way that you do <laughs> you know and these are the the questions we have coaches ask why do you coach why do you coach the way you do what does it feel like to be coached by you? And what's your definition of success? What does winning look like? So you can flip that onto the parent. Why do you parent the way that you do? What does it feel like to be parented by you? I remember this came back to me when my wife told me, uh, Sonia says that uh, there's no pleasing you. Oh, I was boy. Co- coaching her and trying to help her develop as a player. And she says to her mom, there's no pleasing him. That stopped me. I was just trying to help her. Mm-hmm. you know yeah but but as a parent you get wrapped up into it i mean i played sport at a fairly high level and mm-hmm. she had aspirations of doing that in her sport and so i was pushing mm-hmm. and i was demanding but it's a confusing role as a dad and a coach you know so that's the that's the pressure that parent coaches have so you really have to answer those questions honestly and clarify your goals. Why am I doing this? And what am I trying to accomplish? And so I think it's even more critical to have second and third dimension goals on the page. What kind of a person are you becoming? The frame that I use to get at this is, is we talked about the demands of the game in the physical realm or the physiological demands of the game for energy systems, movement patterns, all those things. And now we've moved into the mind. What are the demands on the mind from the game on the athlete? Those are there. So even with learning a skill, mm-hmm. a new skill, one of the problems is high failure rate. So kids have to be, they have to have perseverance. You know, that's a heart issue, but they also have to figure out how to stay motivated. So the mental skill is motivation. The heart skill would be perseverance in terms of acquiring new skill and, high re- and a high failure rate. Does that make sense? No, for sure. So while while I'm teaching the skill, I can also teach motivation and perseverance. I can teach, I can coach the heart and I can coach the mind while I'm teaching, coaching the body. Beyond the Bench is provided by Modi Sports. Modi Sports is the ultimate youth soccer training tool, utilizing 3D motion capture technology to teach soccer skills and drills that can be studied from any angle. 
Coaches, parents, and players can download the Modi Sports mobile app from the Apple App Store and Google Play. Check us out at modisports.com. Eric, you and I are pretty similar in this way, and Cal, I know you are as well, in that we're competitive people. And, and that, that's, our, that's our, our part of our motivation. What happens when you're on a team where sport means different for each person, right? How do you bring all of those different personalities, those different like motivations in a way in together in, in to develop that team? Yeah, that's team cohesion. <laughs> that's, and that's the issue. So you have, for me, biggest program in the school, right? Well, other than boys soccer, who gets, you know, as many kids to try out, but you know, yeah. we, we have, you know, we, I could have upwards of 70 kids on my varsity team alone, right? That's about mm-hmm. our most we could probably handle. Well, that's a lot of different personalities. That's a lot of different people to deal with. So we got to figure out how do we, how do we get these kids to mesh outside of football? So one of the big practical pieces with team cohesion is doing stuff together as a team outside of, of practice. So these kids can form bonds, relationship, friendships outside of, of football. So when competition happens, there's, there's a, a, a different level of relationship that will help ease some of those, those conflicts. And I, mm. I, I would say, again, if you're, if you're really proactive and you're good at this as a coach, it's going to take those hyper competitive kids and will not that they're going to lose their competitiveness, but there'll, there'll be some grace there and it mm-hmm. will raise the competitiveness of those kids who might not be as competitive because they have a relationship. So right. whether that's a retreat, a team retreat, get, getting away, going to a cabin, doing something and, and not playing soccer service projects, service project. You know, we served this, this summer and we helped build a playground, mm-hmm. um, some, some good old fashioned manual labor, but uh, to see, you know, all the way we had all levels participate and to see them interact with each other was, was awesome. Was, you know, so the outcome of that was exactly what we were looking for is these kids need to be a part of something that transcends football that will bring them together, bring that team cohesion. If you don't, if you're not doing anything together as a team outside of football, that's when clicks start to happen. And that's very easy to do. You know, the seniors are, can be a click or the upperclassmen, the, the juniors and seniors are a click and, and they shun the, the lower classmen. There's kids who are naturally friends who are hanging out. They're a click and, and they don't blend. You know, I saw, I mean, it was, it was crazy to see how, for example, my offensive line who didn't play together last year. So the combination is all new, how mm-hmm. they gel just by hanging out with each other outside of practice. Um, one of the coolest things that they did was um, they, they wanted like an ice bath. I'm like, well, I, we don't have an ice bath. Like, yeah. And I said, uh, no, I can't make that happen. Plus it was like all that COVID stuff going on. But after practice one day I went out and there's six, all of my offensive linemen sitting. And I, I just didn't think of it, anything of it until I was driving past them. And I stopped, but they're all sitting in the bed of one of the players trucks yep. and they had their shirts off. And I don't know if you saw it. Did I, I might've shared this. I but, saw it. Yeah, it was, it was one, it was brilliant. They had, they had filled, they put a tarp in the bed of the truck. Mm-hmm. They went to quick trip, bought a bunch of bags of ice, went to our senior center, who was the captain, went to his house, got his garden hose and filled the back of the truck up with water. And they created their own ice bath. And all of the linemen, not just the starters, but the backups too, 
yep. all there hanging out. And I just thought that's that's a small picture of team cohesion in a position mm-hmm. which is important for football. Mm-hmm. Right. With any, any with a lot of sports, but football specifically, position groups, you know, are very important that they gel and that they're cohesive. And in probably no position like linemen, defensive linemen, especially offensive linemen, because the level of communication, the level of trust that they have to have with each other, relationships are huge. And so and we're talking about one two seniors, a junior, and two sophomores who started. And then a couple other sophomores and juniors who are backup. So it's a blend of, of, of ages and class. And they all, they all got along. And it was just a tremendous kind of glimpse of just what something small like that can do to, to your team cohesion is just relationships outside of, of practice. So to challenge the mind aspect of this, you know, you've, you mentioned trust in there a couple of times. What type of exercises as a, as a coach should, like even like the, the youth level, so we're talking like volunteer coach base, like how do we create as, you know, like we were saying about the feeder program ahead of time, how do you kind of create those trust components at a younger age and help them develop those relationships? How do we, in, in talking with the mind aspect of it? So Cal, I'll, I'll point that to you first and then, and then Eric, I'll have you jump in on that too. Well, you come up with a plan to coach, I mean, your team cohesion, you're, you're coaching individuals and group. Mm. Okay. You're doing skills and mm-hmm. relationships. So you can look at, am I providing players opportunities to get to know each other and to develop their skill set that they need? Yeah. You're probably doing the skills, but are they getting to know each other? And then, and that's on the individual level. And then mm-hmm. you got to do it the same thing for the group. Cause there's, there's group tasks that you have to work so it's both task and relationship individual and group so you have individual skill work as a practice session then you have your group skill work but do we ever do group relationship building and individual relationship building so while you're working on a passing drill they can have they they have to ask each other a question or two to get to know each other better you know especially early in the season but you know, you just, you fold it in. So we're working on a skill. Let's work on relate on, on learning each other to help build team cohesion. So you have to, you have to ask uh, another teammate three questions and they, they start getting to know each other a little bit. Then you have to have group stuff in group relationship, you know, and you can break it into, you know, it could be JV and varsity are doing it. You can, you can break that line. It can be backs forwards midfielders whatever goalkeepers are working together you know it's but you have to put it into your practice plan and that's understanding that there's a demand from the game on the mind of the athlete and that is working together Mm -hmm. how do we do that you got to coach that right so and the same is true for all of those categories in the in the second dimension is you fold it into your practice plan the last coach in baseball, we're in a gym. It's a tiny little gym. We would have stations. One of the stations every day is mental skills training. So they would have to visualize. They would have to, you know, they'd come up with any one of these different categories or skills that they need, and they were practicing it. They'd teach them how to do it, 
then they would they would actually it was a actual training session or, or station at just it's just like hitting balls in a cage does that help oh yeah for sure i mean the, to to create a lot of that is is parts of the game that i think are are being somewhat saturated from right you know we've we've already kind of talked about the fact that in the first dimension we focus on the x's and o's but as a, you know, we're also as coaches, we're trying to develop the overall person, not just the X's and O's, because there's a life after yeah. sport, yeah. there's a life after it. Um, and I, a lot of times the athletes, they, they are having a hard time figuring out that transition of what am I going to do now? I've done this for 18, 19, 20 yeah. years, and now it's <clears throat> done. Yeah. Um, where do I fit in now? And it was kind of like what you were saying before, Cal, about that aha moment of now what, you know, now what am I going to do? What this, this thing has given me so much over these long time. And now I have to transition into something else. And so now we're, we're having to, to, to give the skills and tools from sport to life right. and how they relate. Yeah. And so giving those, giving those goals of, of making that happen, I think is a big part of it. So Eric, what you were saying before, um, about, you know, building the, the, um, like the playground, that was huge. You know, that's, that's getting them to, to communicate, work together and team bond all at the same time. And yet that is, that's you can translate that from that arena to the field. So now that we're dealing with this whole pandemic and everything like that, how can we focus on this mindset piece as coaches and be creative and keep and keep our athletes going from, okay, here, instead of the football field, how can we do this in a different arena and, and still get the same, same result? That is, I think the, the hard part of COVID is that we need relation. We're, we're wired to be relational, whether you're the most extreme introvert, you're still wired to be relational at, and so not to have relationship is hard. And so you have to create that virtually right now. I think over Zoom is just make sure you're connected with your kids. I know that, you know, a lot of the, the coaches that you'd see on, on social media talking about the abrupt end of the season and, and what that's going to do emotionally, psychologically to kids and re really worrying about, you know, suicide and mental health issues is, hey, call me. You have my number. So I think that the, the biggest piece is being intentional with creating opportunities to be relational. And right now that's a Zoom call. Yeah. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's FaceTime. I think those are really important right now virtually. Um, one of the things I think that I love about 3D coaching is that, you know, when we talk about some of these things that we're touching on, the journey through this and, and when you go through 3D whether that's online watching videos or whether that's with a staff person with 3d or whether you go through the, there's a professional development 3d um, because it's larger than, than FCA. There's a, and then there's a faith-based version of 3d coaching. So you can go through either one, but either one you go through, it, it gets very practical in this with the second dimension of things that you can do in practice. Like Cal shared, like, we challenge coaches or and even get, then give examples too of this needs to be a part of your practice plan. It makes well, it harder yeah. virtually to, to do some of that stuff, but, but you could, 
You definitely. I mean, I mean an, an example in, in motivation, the, the primary strategy that the 3D training recommends is a home visit. So the coach would visit the home of the players. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, they meet the parents. This would might be a good place to touch on goals, mm-hmm. you know, and the kind of goals that you're looking at. So with COVID, it's kind of hard to do that. But you could do a Zoom home visit. Mm-hmm. You schedule a time. The parents have to be there. You ask them, can you give me a tour of your home? Mm-hmm. You know, so you see the environment that the kid is in. And you're going to gain a lot of insight into who that person is and what has shaped them, which will help you motivate them when they show mm-hmm. up for practice or whatever you get to interact with them. You have a, more information so you can better uh, motivate. The, the other thing is, is the spotlight drill. Yeah. So doing spotlight drill, which is where you focus on a player and you give them feedback of where you what you appreciate about them that that's disconnected from performance on the field. You could do that by zoom. So you could take, you could take a position group or a group of players and you could say, we're going to focus on Susie. Everybody think about something you appreciate about Susie and tell her what it is you appreciate and why, and how they've shown that to you. So you want them mm-hmm. to be as specific as possible, and that will raise the level of that player's motivation. Mm-hmm. It will raise their confidence. It will raise their sense of emotion, emotional connectedness and cohesion with your team. It's a phenomenal drill. It's so simple. It works for 8-year-olds and for 28-year-olds. I've seen coaches cry mm-hmm. because they finally heard a word from their peers that they're valued. They never mm-hmm. heard that before. And they're 55 years old. Yeah, I think you were telling me the story um, about the, the Hibbing coach, the Hibbing football coach, um, how, how he, his transformation as well of, of kind of incorporating with, with some of his co- co-workers and like yeah. really, you know, allowing, allowing his athletes to, to be a part of, of other sports and how their sports are, are actually elevating and their culture is... Yeah. Is they're, they're sharing athletes. Uh, the, the AD uh, made mm-hmm. a commitment to bring 3D training into the whole coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And we're a part of, of helping them process what they're learning and applying it. And uh, that coach has embraced this and is implementing it into his whole program mm-hmm. the same way Eric is doing. You know? mm-hmm. Now, they aren't very good in terms of winning. But mm-hmm. the kids are having fun. Their numbers have gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, some kids went to play soccer and the soccer team wasn't able to do, weren't, they weren't incorporating those ideas. They said, this mm-hmm. isn't any fun. I want to play football because mm-hmm. it's more attractive. Right. Because they're being treated better mm-hmm. and they're more motivated. It's just, it's a better experience. Right. Well, that gets a lot of those kids that don't have the aspirations of being a, a college football player or, or, you know, moving. They're, they're playing it for the fun and for relationships. They're more of a rec player. Mm-hmm. They're motivated differently than that, that kid that wants to play, make a career out of sport. Right. You know, there's a different process there. So in that same mindset, is, is that why there is such a dip? at like 12, 13 years old of, of people just leaving sport in particular is because they, 
they've gotten the they've gotten the X's and O's. They've gotten that first dimension, but that second dimension is is diminished or eliminated. Yeah, I think it's it's no longer fun. Yeah, it's no longer fun. Hmm. Um, and they know they're not very good. Okay. In some cases, they just go. You know what? I'm not very good. I'm not. I'm not a leader or a, a major contributor at age 12. When I'm 15, I'm just going to be sitting on the bench. Maybe I should try something else. Mm. You know, like, and I, I know people that they, they grew up doing uh, hunting and fishing. I said, well, I never went hunting and fishing when I was high school. I was playing all the time. I mean, I was engaged in sport year round, different mm. sports, but I never had time to do that. This is somewhat of an unpopular thing, but you know, has, has this has this pandemic kind of opened eyes a little bit on that mindset of where because I remember growing up in particular that I was able to to take off for three months and go fishing and and spend time with family and build keep building relationships outside of sport yeah and then I would come back and I'd start up sport again I'd be on for for nine months and then I'd have three months off and you know as is has this situation or our life situation, has that kind of reflected us to be like, you know what, whoa, maybe there is more to sport. You know, again, that's like a, an unpopular idea, but it, it, in, in mindsets, it, it, yeah, I know. Like, what? you know, we're talking about sport here and we're talking about the overall development of a, of a person and how sport has been able to trans been able to do that. And the fact that the three of us are able to sit here and talk about sport that's engaging the mind enough to be able to hit that second dimension, right? And, yeah. and to be able to talk about the X's and O's. And we haven't even hit the third dimension yet, right? So it's like, that's, that's what's so cool about, about being able to, to change your arena and, and make it exciting, right? So, so I think, you know, what are, some, what are some pieces that in the second dimension that we haven't hit on yet that, that you would want our, our listeners to, to be able to feed off of? We've talked about team cohesion. We've talked about motivation. We haven't, we've touched on confidence because that ties in. And then emotional control is kind of, is, is one. The the best way to get at it would be to take the training, you know, do the 3d course. Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of uh, confidence, the, the, the main application there is you have players who are skilled, who do certain things. Well, have them teach someone who, doesn't know how to do that yet so have peer coaching will really give the kid who's now helping other kids learn a skill give that kid tremendous confidence and it will help the younger kid and and generally what we see is that the kid that's that's the peer coach he's telling the the younger kid or the unskilled player he's using the same coaching cues that the coach uses Mm. but the the unskilled player hears them a lot better from his friend than they do from the coach. <laughs> so they learn faster mm. and the peer coach is, is getting some strokes and confidence in terms of emotion. We use, just use a, a simple grid. You know, you have um, helpful emotion and unhelpful emotion, mm. right? And you want to, you want to stay more towards the helpful emotion, you know, like joy as opposed to shame. I mean, I, I, that's, there's more to it than that, but that's just a, a, a slight touch. There's a lot in there. 
Yeah. Was a ton. And that's what I think when we talked about doing this with, with you, you and you approached us is part of it is hopefully you know, we can't cover everything in the, in the amount of time you could do. We could have our own Cal and I were joking. We should just do our own podcast because there's so much content, but yeah, I think one of the, one of the things that we talked about specifically you and I, at least, or one of the things I brought up is this is a time where whether a lot of people are forced into being at home, working from home, you know, and as coaches, you know, we can't practice. So what are we doing? You know, we, we've, I guarantee, you know, I've been on so many online clinics on X's and O's. My, you know, I, I've got a million ideas that I can do for the first dimension game plan stuff, but what are coaches really doing to address second dimension issues right now? And this would be a time where, 3D coaching can come alongside these coaches and, and be, you know, start them on this journey of processing some of the things that, again, that coaches desire and that we, we talk about the game demands excellence in the second dimension. And that's the, that's the whole piece. So hopefully some of this is just to kind of wet the whistle, so to speak of your listeners and viewers that here's a, an opportunity, here's a, a framework that is available to them if this is something they desire. And every coach should want, you know, to be excellent in all three dimensions if they want to, to have success. Cause ultimately that's, you know, all this part of it, you know, we've had coach some, you know, some old school coaches who think this is fluffy and, and soft. Mm-hmm. And then they don't realize that this, this, if this is done in a way that, is faithful, you're going to see success. It might not happen right away. Like we're talking about with, you know, a, a Hibbing or a couple other schools that they're not having success right now. We're not having success right now, but I guarantee you we're, we're doing mean, it the right way. They're not winning. These are having mm-hmm. success. We're having success, but not in the w- way that but culture not wins. That, that yeah, culture right. defines success for us in yes. sports. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you know, that goes back to the first question, you know, what, what does winning mean? Right. right. And, and we've already kind of dove into that part of it of, of winning is, is for some, just the final result. And, and what we keep talking about, especially in the second dimension. And when I keep, this is more of a paraphrase is that this is about a process and being able to hit the steps and the goals to be able to get to that result. And the result isn't going to always be in your favor because there's someone that's going to be better. There is. You can hit all of those steps and still lose. And it's not because of anything you did. It was just that they did it better. And you just have to follow along with the process of you're going to have wins. You're going to have losses. You're going to have ties in your life. And you need to be able to, to, to recognize of how to adjust. Try, fail, and adjust. Try, fail, and adjust. Try, fail, and adjust. And continue to do that. Right? Yeah. Yep. I think so, real quick. I think of Tom Brady when you talk about that, because Tom Brady has reached the pinnacle in his sport. You know, he's the winningest, greatest of all time, most mm-hmm. people say. And, and he was quoted as saying, you know, sport's not going to satisfy what we're longing for inside, but our hearts are ultimately. We can have as much su- success, and, and at the end of the day, you're, there's going to be an empty feeling because sport doesn't ultimately – do that it's not it's not a savior in that way and tom brady said you know after winning maybe his four super bowl is like is this it is this all there is because 
to reach the pinnacle, but still not have being satisfied. And part of that is your competitive nature as well, but it's ultimately because your heart's not, wasn't made that way. You weren't created that way. And that's a big piece of where our faith comes in with FCA. And, and, and my belief system is that ultimately sport is going to fail me or won't ultimately satisfy like my faith does. Right. So that's a big piece of it too. So when you, that's, that's what I trigger when you talked about, when, as you're just talking there is, that ultimately you can reach, you can win state title after state title. You can be the winningest coach in the state of Minnesota. You can be the winningest coach in the country. And ultimately there's going to be an empty feeling or there's going to be another pinnacle to reach. You can just never get to that, that climax. Absolutely. Well, one of the things about the, the mind is they've done research on the, the folks that get on the podium at international events mm-hmm. and there's a correlation between mental skills practices and being on the podium. Mm. The more the athletes are involved in the mental skills side, the more success they have with, with uh, winning or with performance results. Mm. And they all have the physical skills, you know? So, so one of the, I mean, if it's back to one of the demands that that sport places on us is to engage our mind. And uh, I know, you've probably experienced an athlete who doesn't engage their mind. They're very frustrating to coach. Yeah. Because you have to get to the mind first to help them apply whatever physical talent they have to acquire skill. Right. There is a process and that that's the, that's, so you have to connect to the mind just to teach a kid how to turn a ball. Mm. Yeah. So and it's, it's, it's being able to relate to them and, and continue yes. there. Yeah. And it's and a human, engaged. it's a human activity. Mm. It's a human. Really? Connection. I didn't know that. <laughs> and that is spiritual in nature. Absolutely. You know, so people are not robots. Absolutely. So the home visit smashes through that <laughs> mm. and, and makes it, oh, coaches, coaches, human mm. coach cares about me. One mm. of the biggest complaints from college athletes, coach doesn't care about me like he did when he did a home visit. He came to my, mm-hmm. my, my family. So came to our kitchen table and I wanted to play for him. And now he doesn't even talk to me. Yep. Mm. That's a biggie. It's a good point. Yeah. I, I guess I like reflecting on my college coach, you know, I, we still have a, a relationship. Careful today. What you say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, he's, <laughs> we still have a relationship today and it's, it's, I don't think that a lot of athletes had the same experience that I've had, right. had with my coach. So for sure, I can, I can relate to that a ton. Um, so, uh, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for, for the time here with, with the second dimension, we're going to smash another one with the third dimension and be able to really dive into that and be able to kind of wrap it all up together, um, in that last, in the next episode. So that way we can kind of see why all three pieces are, are so important and really diving into the third dimension. So both of you, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Eric and Cal have taken a topic that coaches know they need to implement and took it a step further. I'm excited to try these concepts with my teams. Next time out, we will be wrapping up the third and final dimension of the series of 3D coaching. Cal, Eric, and I will be discussing the third dimension, which will focus on the heart. This is Brandon Stemidal with Beyond the Bench. Beyond the Bench is sponsored by Bipro, the ideal lifestyle choice for athletes and health enthusiasts by providing clean protein without artificial ingredients or sugars. 
Whether you're looking for a pre- or post-workout supplement or a quick drink on the go, visit modisports.com to receive 25% off your next Bipro item.